Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, good morning again, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. If you're just now joining us, I want to say welcome. My name is Rhett. I happen to be the lead pastor here, and it is a joy and a privilege to get to serve you today from God's Word. Hey, but before we jump into the message, can we take a moment and do what we do every Sunday? And that's, can we welcome our online church podcast family? Come on, One Life Church. Put your hands together. Show some love. Yeah. Hey, if you're listening to us online, wherever you are, we are so thankful that you're along for the journey today. We love you. We miss you. We cannot wait to see you soon. You are our family. Well, all right, One Life Church. Hey, we are jumping into part four of a series we started a few weeks ago called The Holy Spirit. But before we get into it, I just want to remind you that we are a message note taking church. What does that mean? It means we like to take notes here. Why? Because we believe that not only should we be inspired on a Sunday, we should absolutely take the time to learn from it so that we can apply it on Monday and through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you get the picture, right? And so it's pretty cool. If you've not used this tool yet, pull out your phone, smartphone, dump phone, whatever digital device, laptop, go to olc.church and just kind of swipe down. You'll see a button that says message notes. If you'll click that, it'll give you the opportunity to follow along, fill in some blanks, write your own additional notes. You can absolutely save it as a PDF. You can email it to yourself. You can email it to your family and your friends. And my hope is this is a way that we can serve you throughout the week. All right. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I told you that we were going to pause and time out on this series because we were moving into a season which we launched small groups, uh, which we did two weeks ago. If you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you to do that. And then from there, what we're going to do is last week, I went ahead and we went into a part of a message that I wanted to deliver because last week was our second year of being a church, everybody. We celebrated our two years last, last week. Yep. We celebrated two years last week, which was pretty exciting. Um, and uh, I want to mention the message, but I'm going to mention it again. You guys, we had 17 people take a next step and go public with their faith and get water baptized, everybody. Come on, man. That was exciting. And we did that. If you were here, if you missed it, man, you missed out. We did that over tacos, y'all. We were like, taco about two. We did donuts on small group Sunday. We did tacos last week. And you know what? We got the bread of life today. It's called the word of God. We're not giving away any free food today. Uh, but man, we just like to have a lot of fun. I honestly believe in my whole heart was that, you know, church should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be endured. It should be a lot of fun. And so we're here today to have a lot of fun. And so we press pause on this series, but we're picking it up today and we're closing out with this final installment. And so here's why, because I really wanted to create a series to teach you who the Holy Spirit is and the role he wants to play in your life. And this is important because there are many of us who really have a lack of understanding of who the third person of the Trinity is. In fact, there are probably some of you in this room today who probably have never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I want to show you something that like this is not just, I mean, this happened not only today, but it actually happened back in the Bible. So it's nothing new to our culture. And I'm actually going to show you our theme verse that comes out of Acts chapter 19, verse one through two to kind of demonstrate this point. But I just want to remind you that the book of Acts is a historical record of the very first church. The book of Acts starts off in chapter one and chapter two about the outpouring of the third person of the Trinity, which is called the Holy Spirit. It was the promise that Jesus said that God would send uh, to his church. And so it starts off with this incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lives are being changed. People are so excited. They're going everywhere. They're preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And we see this here. Actually, this is two decades later from the outpouring. 20 years go by. And it says that there's a man named Apollos. He was just a guy who loved Jesus. He was out ministering at a city in Corinth, telling them about the good news of Jesus. And then there's Paul, which is kind of like the, one of the heroes of the faith in the Bible, who honestly wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. He was a church planner, and he was telling people about Jesus. Look, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at a city called Ephesus. Ephesus was a city like Nampa or Caldwell, you know, or like or the Treasure Valley. And he planted a church there and he wanted to go hang out and check out what God's been doing. And it says there he found in Ephesus, look at this, some disciples or some followers of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. And he asked the disciples what I'm asking you today. And that is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. 
And notice their response. Look at their answer. They said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And here we are 2,000 years later from this text. And there are still people today who have not even heard of the Holy Spirit or who may have heard of the Holy Spirit but have a misunderstanding of who he is and the role he wants to play in your life. Now, many of us, we understand God the Father. And it's not because some of us, we understand it, not because we have a relationship with him, but some of us understand it just because of the fact that we had an earthly father. So we kind of understand this fatherly role, whether good or bad. And, and some of us, we understand this whole idea of Jesus as the son of God, Messiah, who came to pay for our sins. And a lot of us know that because in the 20th century, 21st century, right? We have a lot of movies about Jesus. So we get to physically see that, right? We're very visual society. But this whole idea of the third person of the Trinity, this whole Holy Spirit, or some translations will call him the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want a ghost all up in my business. You know what I'm saying? Am I the only one? And so it's like, okay, Father, Son, yeah, ghost, not so sure, or spirit. And so who is the Holy Spirit? And what's the role that he wants to play in your life? And I just want to go ahead and make this statement. It is our greatest hope here at One Life Church that you have a relationship with all three members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so throughout this series, what I've really tried to do is I've just tried to dispel some myths around some topics that get associated or correlated with the Holy Spirit. And so can, can, can I just be honest? It, and the reason why I'm doing this is just because there's been some bad packaging when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's something you've seen, maybe it's something you've heard, maybe it's something that will happen on TV. But the reality is, this is the truth. I honestly believe that people don't have a problem with the power of God. I just really believe that people have a problem with the packaging in which it comes sometimes. Because sometimes the packaging can be a little goofy or a little hard to understand, just being real. I just want to make this statement. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to be funny. But the reality is, my friends, God and his Holy Spirit are not goofy and they are not weird. They're wonderful. People can be goofy and people can be weird. Can I get an amen? It's okay, right? Including the person who's speaking to you today. Just ask my wife. She will tell you, all right? So what I've attempted to do in this series is really honestly try to bring some clarity around a few words that get associated with the Holy Spirit. And really, I just started off in week one, if you remember, uh, we talked about really, what does Holy Spirit mean? Like, let's look at the word Holy Spirit. And did you know that the English translators, God bless them, they did the best they could. There really wasn't a word to describe what the Greek or Hebrew in the original text were telling us about this spirit. And we looked at the original translation and it really doesn't mean spirit or ghost at all. The Holy Spirit truly means a breath of fresh air or like this breath of God, this wind of God that he wants to blow and breathe into every area of your life. And when you understand that about the Holy Spirit, then it changes everything. So if you missed week one, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to week one. And week two, we talked about a term that we really wanted to dive into a little bit more because maybe you've heard this term in relation to the Holy Spirit, and that is Pentecost or Pentecostal, right? It's like, I don't know what a Pentecostal is. Is that a person who wears too much makeup or none at all? I can't figure that out, right? And so that's not what Pentecost means. That's not what Pentecostal means. And we talked about in week two, really the, the translation of Pentecost, it just means 50, 50. It was actually a holiday that the Jews celebrated and it was 50 days after another holiday that they celebrated. And it just happened to be the holiday that Jesus wanted to demonstrate and pour out the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit that we're talking about throughout this series. And he poured it out because it really just symbolizes it was the power to make a difference with your life. And so that's what we did in week one, week two. And on week three, we kind of dived into another word, which kind of could scare a few of you, okay? And that's the word charismatic, ah, right? Like, what is a charismatic? Are they the people that hang from chandeliers? Like, I know y'all got some chandeliers in here. I'm not quite sure, right? Are y'all the ones who run the aisles, jump over pews, chairs, and that kind of thing? No, man, my friends, charismatic has nothing to do with being wild or crazy in church. That's not what the word means. The word actually comes from a Greek word called charisma, and charisma doesn't mean just outgoing, bubbly personality. You know what it actually means? In the original translation, it literally means a gracious gift from God. And a lot of times this word charisma or charismatic gets tied to the Holy Spirit, but it gets tied to it in the wrong interpretation. The reality is the Holy Spirit is a gracious gift from God. 
That's what it is. And it's good and it's wonderful and it's amazing. And God, the reason he wants to give you gifts, everybody, is not just so you can hoard them for yourself and go, woo, gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Thank you, Jesus. No, <laughs> the reason God gives you the gifts is because he wants his generosity to flow through you so you can help other people. So I just want to encourage you. Listen, if you have not listened to part one, part two, and part three, it's vital to where we're going today. Okay, so today what I really want to talk about is a word that gets correlated and tied to the Holy Spirit a lot. And that's this word, baptism. Everybody say baptism. 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 So I know what you're thinking. You're already thinking, well, that means, I mean, we talked about baptism last week. That's water baptism. That means to submerge underwater. Yes, it does mean that, but it also means in the purest form of the, the translation is to be immersed in. This is what baptism means. And a lot of times, if you're reading your New Testament, what you'll find is the word baptism is typically associated with the Holy Spirit. You see the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so it means a whole lot more than just being submerged in water for water baptism. And I'm going to show you this. And so I want to show you today that there are three baptisms that God has for your life. In fact, God has us all on a journey. We call it the spiritual journey around here. Whether or not you believe that you're on a spiritual journey doesn't change the fact that you, my friend, and I are on a spiritual journey. And within this spiritual journey, there are steps that God wants us to take. And there are three specific baptisms or three specific experiences that God wants to immerse ourselves in. And I'm gonna give you three of them. And I just wanna go ahead and say this out front. There's only one that is most significant to salvation. There's only one that brings eternal life. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And when you surrender your life to him, this is the first baptism you experience. And that is you are baptized into the body of Christ. Write that down in your notes. You are baptized into the body of Christ. And as you're taking notes this morning, you could write the word out there, salvation. This is your salvation experience. And this is what I want to say about salvation. Salvation isn't about rules. It isn't about regulations. It isn't about doing enough good in your life. Salvation isn't about just going to church. It's not just about praying. It's not just about generosity. It's not just about going to small groups together. It's not about that. Salvation is an immersed relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. But more than that, it's also a relationship with his church. And this relationship was always intended to be vibrant, authentic, passionate, all-consuming. It's supposed to be an amazing relationship because honestly, that is what Christianity is. It's, it is an immersed relationship with God and his church. In fact, let me show it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says, for we, talking about followers of Jesus Christ, those who have surrendered their life to Jesus, it says, for we, we were all immersed. Look at the word, baptized. We were immersed by one spirit into one body. Now time out for a second. This word body, you'll see a lot in the New Testament. And what he's referencing is the church. He's referencing the body as to the church or to the family of believers. So what is he saying? He's saying, hey, my friends, when you surrender your life to Jesus, he wants to immerse you into a relationship with God, but he doesn't want you to do life alone. He wants you to do life together. God never intended for you to be a part-time Christian. He always intended you to be a full-time Christian involved with not just going to church on a Sunday once every couple of months. He wants you to not just go to church. He wants you to be the church. Look at this, Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 27. My friends, you are all children. You're sons and daughters of God. This happens through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized, in other words, all of you who were baptized into Christ, immersed into a relationship with God, check this out, you have clothed yourselves in or with Christ. In other words, salvation is more than a religious duty. Salvation is more than a belief system. It's more than just attending frequently church. Salvation is an authentic, passionate, immersed relationship with God and his church. And my friends, this is the first most significant step in every single one of our spiritual journeys. This is heaven or hell. It's coming to know God as your personal Lord and Savior through Jesus Christ. Now, the other steps that I'm going to give you today on your spiritual journey, they're important and they play a role because God has more in store for you, but they're not more important than this. If you only get one thing out of today, you need to be baptized into the body of Christ, into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So here's the second one. 
Second one is, write this down, it's water baptism. Water baptism. So God wants you to be baptized into the body of Christ, into his church, into a relationship with him, but he also wants you to be water baptized. And I need you to understand that water baptism is a separate experience. Listen, you cannot earn salvation by being water baptized. Salvation is a free gift. It comes through Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good. And the reason I mentioned this today is because there is a teaching out there that says, no, 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 no. In order for you to go to heaven, you not only need to give your heart to Jesus Christ, but now you need to be water baptized. And my friend, that is not the truth. How do I know it's not the truth? Because then that tells me that all of a sudden your salvation has become a works-based salvation. It means I got to do something in the natural in order to earn salvation. And my friends, you cannot earn salvation. It has been given through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a free gift that Romans 6.23 tells us. You cannot earn it. Let me show you to this, this. Let me show you this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. It says, God saved you, my friend, by his grace, grace charis or gift. When you what? When you believed, not when you were baptized, but when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. Ah, it's a gift from God. It's not in your notes, but jot it out to the side. Romans 6, 23 will tell you that it is a free gift and that free gift is eternal life. And it goes on. Salvation is not a reward for being water baptized or for going to church. No, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Why? So none of us can sit back and go, look what I did. Man, look what I did. Do you know, there's actually a teaching out there that some say when it comes to water baptism, and you need to be aware of this because it's so vital. There is a teaching out there that tells some people that, hey, listen, not only is water baptism important to salvation, but it's even important to make sure that the guy or girl who's baptizing you says the right thing. In other words, (laughs) there is a whole debate out there. You can look it up, Google it on theology of, well, you got to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then there's a whole other camp over on this side going, no, that's not what you know. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And there's this whole war between the two camps. And just so you know, if you get baptized here at One Life Church, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. We're going to cover them all for you, okay? <laughs> just going to cover them all. Listen, you are not going to stand before God and Jesus in heaven and Jesus and go, oh, listen, I am so sorry. Oh, you know when you were getting baptized? Yeah. When you were underwater, the guy said the wrong thing. I'm so sorry, but you're not going to be able to get into heaven now. I don't think so. That's not how it works, y'all. Water baptism isn't salvation. Water baptism is a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ. And last week, I mentioned it earlier, but last week, let's celebrate again. 17 people made a step in their water baptism decision. So if you haven't been water baptized, my friend, I want to encourage you to take a step. Why? Because Jesus said that it's very important to do so. Let me show you. You're like, Red, I thought we talked about this last week. Yes, we did, but we're going to talk about it again. Look at this. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. In fact, Acts chapter 2, 41, those who accepted his message or those who put faith in Jesus, they were baptized. My friends, your faith was never meant to be private. The reason I wear my wedding ring, listen, my wedding ring doesn't make me married. What the wedding ring represents is the covenant relationship I've made with the most beautiful woman on the planet named Linda Barden sitting right here on the front row. This is what this ring represents. If I take the ring off, it doesn't make me less married, right? No, no, no. It's just a public declaration of our covenant. That's what water baptism is. It is just a public declaration of your faith. It's important, and it's a step that every single one of us need to take along our journey with Jesus. Well, Red, I want to get baptized. I missed last week. How does that work? My friends, we will be bringing more information coming soon of how we're going to make that work inside the Civic Center instead of outside the Civic Center. Because I don't know about y'all, but it's getting a little bit cooler outside, right? (laughs) So we're going to work that out for you. Okay, so your spiritual journey has three baptisms. First one's the most significant. That's the baptism into salvation, into the body of Christ. Second one is significant, but it's not a heaven or hell decision, but that is water baptism. And here's the third one, and this is really what today's message is all about, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Once you write that down, I want, listen, my greatest hope today is to help you understand 
about this because it's in the Bible. The things that I'm going to be sharing with you are all throughout the Bible, and I'm going to do my best to lay a very strong foundation biblically so you can make your own decision from it. But there is a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you that today through Scripture. So I don't know, we all come from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different things we have to deal with as far as our theology, depending on how old we are. But I just want to encourage you, if you would, just give me a blank page just for the next few minutes and allow me to show you from God's Word and allow God's Word to speak to you. So in order to do this, uh, I really just want to take a moment and just remind us all that after Christ died, he rose again to pay for sins. He hung out on earth for 40 days, the Bible teaches us. So he died, he rose again, and he had a glorified body at this point. He's resurrected. And he's hanging out on earth for 40 days. And we see an account of this right here in John chapter 20, verse 19, 19 through 22. Look at this. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were hanging out together, Look at this. Uh, this detail just blows me away. They were hanging out together with the doors locked. Why were the doors locked? Because they were in fear. They were afraid for their lives. Why were they afraid for their lives? Because they didn't know that Jesus Christ had been resurrected yet. They thought he was the Messiah. They just saw him horribly crucified for all the things that he said. And now there they are three days later and they get some reports from Mary and some others and the other ladies who went to check on the tomb and to take care of Jesus' body. And they recognize, well, his body ain't here anymore. What happened to his body? They are not thinking that Jesus was resurrected. In fact, there was a lie going around that was set up by the Jewish leaders saying that, hey, just tell everybody the disciples stole the body of Jesus. And so they're freaking out. They're thinking, well, man, we've been charged for stealing the body of, this, of Jesus and now they're going to come out to kill us and hurt us. So they are afraid for their lives behind this locked door up until this moment. They did not know that he was alive. Until, look at this, they weren't aware. Until, look at it. Jesus came and he walked through the locked door. And he said what I hope he would say to me and you if he walked through a locked door at my house. And that is, look, peace be with you. Put that next letter there, peace be with you. Yeah, I don't know if you see the humor in the Bible, but you know, let me translate that for you. That's like, hey guys, shh, calm down. I know you're freaking out because I just popped through a wall, but I need you to chill out and calm down. It's going to be okay. It's me. This is how I read the Bible. And after he said all that, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. And Jesus said again, hey, peace be with you. Goes on to say, watch this. As the Father has sent me, this is important. Don't miss this. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, notice this detail. He breathed on them and he said to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to understand something. The moment... The disciples saw God's resurrected living son who just went through a horrible sacrifice of crucifixion. When they saw with their own eyes him in his glorified body, that was the moment that they believed. That was the moment that they were baptized into salvation. That was the moment that they were, sins were forgiven. And that was the moment, according to this scripture, that they received the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Red, I mean, wait a minute. I mean, the disciples were hanging out with Jesus for like three years. Yeah, but he hadn't died yet. And he wasn't resurrected yet. The disciples were still serving God under the old covenant law. The new covenant law of Christ's blood did not go into effect until Jesus died and was resurrected. And so it's important for you to understand this detail because the moment... You walk into a relationship with God. Not only are your sins forgiven, but according to what we just read, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this important? Because there are some people who teach you don't receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. And that is not the truth. So let me show you again. Hang with me. I'm going to be a little teachy today. I've got a lot of verses I want to share with you. I want to show you the same story from Luke's account. And so, by the way, I want to teach you this. Some of you may know this, you may not. 
But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the gospels. What does the gospels mean? That is a very religious word for the good news about Jesus. We call them the good news or the gospels about Jesus because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four are giving accounts from their perspective of hanging out with Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And when you read the Bible, it's important sometimes to not just read the one in one. You need to go to the other one and read the same story because there's different details that are mentioned about that event in Scripture. Um, The best way I could tell you this is, uh, you know, this is my illustration for that. I don't know if if you've got 20-20 vision or whatever, you might be able to see this. But uh, tell me, what what, what is this? Front row, somebody that's bold. Okay. Um, You probably see a red and a white of sorts, right? You see, it says Altoids. Well, I can't see any of that. We're looking at the same thing, but you know, from my perspective, it's just a silver backing and everything's upside down with a little bit of barcode lines and stuff. But if I look from your perspective, then I can see what you saw. Now you're seeing another perspective. That is what reading the Bible from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is. It's giving you a different perspective of the same story. They're all about Jesus. They just give us different details. So with that said, let's look at the account of Luke. It's the same story, different detail. Luke 24, 36. While they were still talking about this, in afraid, in the room, doors locked, Jesus himself stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And remember John's account. At this moment, Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, Luke doesn't give us that detail, but Luke gives us this detail. Luke 24, 49. And notice the future tense. He says, I am going to. So they receive the Holy Spirit, but now God is saying, Jesus is also saying, now I'm also going to send you what my father has promised. But I want you to stay stay in the city until, future tense, you have been clothed. Some translations say filled or immersed with power from on high. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, hey guys, although I just breathed on you and you received the Holy Spirit and you've having the salvation moment, my friends, you have not experienced everything I have for you. There is more, there is power that I wanna clothe you with. There's more that God has for you, my friends. This is what he's telling the disciples. So let me show you one more, same story, different book. This comes out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter one, verse three through five. Hang with me. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Like, look at my hands, look at my side. That's what he's referring to. And watch this. It says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And here's the same event, just another detail. Look at the next line. Jesus said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days. I know I just breathed on you and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But in a few days, notice the future tense. You haven't received all that God has for you yet. But in a few days, you will be immersed. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The way I like to describe it is, if I had a glass of water in my hand right now, the water in the glass, that would be salvation. But if I took that same glass of water and submerged it into a swimming pool. That would be immersion, my friends. So, Rhett, what are you saying? I'm saying that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply another step in yours and my spiritual journey. And I just want to encourage you today to have the faith to take the step. Why? Well, look at James 1.17, because every good and perfect gift is from above. The Holy Spirit, my friends, is a gift from God. Really? Is the Holy Spirit a gift from God? Yeah. In case you missed it, let's look again at Acts chapter 1, 4 through 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. See that highlighted in yellow? It's a gift. Wait for the gift, my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And then again, he says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will receive the gift. What is the gift? It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift. Many of you in this room, you're looking for love. You're looking for joy. You're looking for peace. You're looking for fulfillment. You're looking for what matters in life. But many of you are here today and you're looking in the wrong places. You're not looking to God, you're looking to the world. And you're experiencing pain, shame, guilt, 
And you're experiencing the weight that comes from the heaviness of trying to do things the world's way. And God comes along and tells us this in Ephesians chapter 5, 18. He says, my friends, do not do things the world way. Don't get immersed on wine. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on the things of the world. He ain't just picking on wine, y'all. He's just saying, just don't do things the world's way. And let's be honest. We are all looking for the supernatural in our lives. We are all looking for that thing to go, whoo, baby, that is good, man. Yeah, bring it on. Y'all, don't leave me alone on this island up here today. We are all looking for it. We all want it. Why? Because God designed us that way. And God's saying, listen, I have it for you. But it doesn't come doing things the world's way, which leads to debauchery, which is basically reckless living, broken homes, broken relationships, misery. But instead, are you ready for this? Be filled, be immersed with the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit produces the fulfillment that you've been looking for. Let me show you Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. When that person cuts you off in traffic, when you were late for work. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not to lose it on your family and explode in massive anger. When you know deep in your heart that's not how you want to respond. But you can't help it because you've not experienced the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, Rhett, I'm all in, man. I want to dive into this thing. How do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If it's good and it's perfect, and it is, my friend, how do I receive it? Well, I'm going to give you three things today. It's not weird. It's not goofy. It's not spooky. It's normal. It's wonderful. Three things. Write these down. First, all of us just simply need to remove all barriers. We need to remove all barriers. So what's a barrier? It's that thing that's in the way. It's that thing that's holding you back. It could be doubt. It could be religion. It could be the things that you've been taught. It could be things that you've seen, misperceptions, misconceptions. It could be the fear of what people might even think. But the greatest barrier, if we're all honest, and we all deal with it, including the one speaking to you today, the greatest barrier is sin. It's shame, it's guilt, it's pain. The pain that we've caused or the pain that other people have caused to us. It's the greatest barrier. And because of the sin, the guilt, the pain, and the shame, we're standing here like a little sick puppy going, oh, I don't think God has anything good for me. I'm just a low-down, rotten, dirt sinner. Woe is me. I'm telling you, if you've bought into that, that is a lie from the pit of hell to destroy your life, to destroy your family, to destroy your future. And I'm coming against that lie in the name of Jesus and I break the spirit that is telling you that. That is a lie from the pit of hell, my friend. You are called by God. You were created as a masterpiece in the image of God. You are a son and daughter of the living God and he has a plan and purpose for your life and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. If God had a refrigerator, guess what? Your picture would be on that refrigerator. Listen to me. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you've done. But he knows that is not, that is not who you are. So what do I do, Rhett? Well, look at scripture. Acts chapter 2, 38 through 39. The word of God would tell us to repent, change your mind, course correct, change your heart, go a different route. Go a different direction and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because if you remove the barrier, if you give your life to Jesus, look at this, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll be immersed in all that God has for you to give you the power to live the life you've always dreamed you could live. Well, Red, I was taught, you know, that's just for the disciples, man. That's not for us. Well, if that's you, my friend, I'm so sorry that you were taught wrong. Because whoever taught you that did not read the rest of the Bible and did not read this next part of this scripture. Look at this. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. And just to clarify, and your children. And notice the other two words that are highlighted. And say it out loud, for all, for all who are far. That's you and me. It's all of us. 
for all who are far off, far off. God wants every single one of us to experience the good things that he has for us. He wants us to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So once we remove the barriers, we repent of our sins, we come into a relationship with God. Once we surrender our life to God and to Jesus, here's number two, simply ask. Ask God to baptize you with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you my story. Some of you know this, uh, but, you know, born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama at three years old. My parents get a divorce at seven years old. My mom takes her own life, commits suicide. From seven to 16, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. And I walked into a life-giving church only because my best friend gave his heart to Jesus and he invited me to come. I saw a change in my best friend. I would have never walked through the doors of the church if I would have never seen the radical transformation of a guy who used to do a lot of stupid with me. That didn't want to do stupid anymore. Doing things, trying to find fulfillment the world's way. He's like, man, I, I don't roll that way anymore, man. I'm like, what's up with that? He's like, because I got Jesus. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, oh, God, what'd you do with my friend? I'm a Christian now. Great. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> That's how I felt. He went on hanging out at church, lost church people, smiling all the time, still like, hey, I love you, bro. You ought to come check this out. Like, no, thank you. Till one day he said, hey, man, we're going to be hanging out. If you're not doing anything, come. I drive by the church. I'm like, well, I see my buddy's car. I might as well go in. It's like on a weeknight. And there are youth in this auditorium, and they are on fire for Jesus, man. What is on fire? That is a Christianese term. I go on, these people did not care who heard them. They didn't care how foolish they may have seen to other people. But they were in love with a God that I had never known. They were highlighting their Bibles. They were circling back in the day when we had pages and a Bible would bring it to church with a big fat highlighter, you know. They were taking notes. Afterwards, they were talking about Jesus and all the good things that God has for the life. I'm like, man, like, why you ain't, why you don't talking about girls? You see the good looking girls up in here in this youth group? This is awesome. I'm like, yeah, that's not how we flow here, Red. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And then I, the more I hung out with them, the more I was like, man, I am missing out. Because everything I'm trying to fulfill in my own life but from doing stupid, the things the world's way, getting drunk on wine and debauchery and sex and pornography that is not fulfilling, but is bringing shame and guilt to my life. My friend has been set free from and he's experiencing joy that is everlasting. And I'm like, I want some of that, man. So I came to a church service and I was just like, God, whatever my friend has, I want. I just want it. Because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I walked into that service, sitting on the front row, because that's where my friend had to sit, dang it, you know. <laughs> that's where I was. And they said, if you want to receive Jesus, I was like, if this is what Jesus will do in a life, this is more than religion, this is more than I've ever seen, I want some of that. I experienced a relationship with God. But not only did I come into a relationship with God, baptized into the body of Christ, Tears begin to roll down my cheek. I'm experiencing joy for the first time. It's like I can see. That's all I can explain. It's like I was blind, but now I can see. And it's, it's truly a supernatural experience. And at that point, now the pastor looked at me and said, and he talked to everybody. He said, now some of you are here and you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, well, who's the Holy Spirit? What's that? What's that? You know, I don't know what that is. And he's saying, it's good. It's perfect. It's wonderful. And you've received it when you believe, but now there's an, another step. There's more for you. And I'm kind of the guy that's like, I'm all in, right? Like I jump out of airplanes. That's what I do. I've done that. I do crazy things. And so I was the guy's like, hey, if God has it for me, I'm going all in. I want it. No questions asked. Bring it on. And so I said, <laughs> I just ask this to God, if every good and perfect gift is from you, because that's what the pastor's saying, I just believe it. And if you want me to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how to explain it other than it was just like liquid love from my head to my feet. Now, it's not about a feeling. Sometimes people feel that, some people don't. But all I can tell you is that I began to experience the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Love, joy. Oh, it wasn't weird. It wasn't goofy. I didn't jump over 10 pews. I didn't run the aisles. I didn't grab a banner and start slinging it around, you know? I grew up in that church. I can talk like that, y'all, okay? Don't judge me. You can tell some stories. I got hit upside the head so many times with a banner. I'm like, for the love of Jesus, put that thing away. <laughs> 
We don't do banners at this church for that reason. Um, <laughs> but I felt waves of liquid love and God gave me a prayer language. God gave me a prayer language. He doesn't, now that's not gonna happen to you. It could, it, it's possible, it may, like it's there for you. But it just didn't all of a sudden just come on me and I just started speaking in it. Like I just had to do the third thing that I'm about to tell you, which is I just had to receive it by faith. But I just began to experience something radical, something transformative, something that was just, I could not explain or fit in my mind, but I was experiencing it. And it was better than sex. It was better than pornography that I've been trapped in for so many years. And that was before digital technology existed, you guys. And I just want to encourage you. You can pray the same prayer. You can experience all of God. You can trust God. You can trust him. He's good. In fact, Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, if you then, or if you then, though you're evil, like if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, come on, man. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You have not because you ask not. Ask and you will receive. Here's the third thing. We remove the barriers from our life. We repent of our sins. We ask God to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And I just told you, here's number three. Now just receive the Holy Spirit by, important word, write this down, faith. Faith. What is faith? Faith is having 100% complete confidence and trust in God. And by the way, God loves it. He loves it. In fact, it makes him happy. Look at this. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, without this 100% complete assurance and trust in God, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to put a smile on his faith, face. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe, must have 100% trust and confidence in the fact that he exists and that he gives good gifts. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. From 16 to now, 27 years have gone by. And you know, the one thing that I've seen consistent that I've experienced in my relationship with God is that if you want to experience all that God has for you, you have to take a step. Sometimes that step is into the unknown. Sometimes that step is to the unfamiliar. Sometimes that step is to the uncomfortable. In fact, there was nothing comfortable there was nothing known and there was nothing familiar for my family and I to take a step to move our entire family away from everything we've known two and a half years ago to plant One Life Church. But it was a step in the moment in my process and my journey that God called us to take. And by, I am so thankful. Because as I look around this room, I see the miracle of just what a simple step will do. Listen, I am, not that, I am not that cool. I am not that smart. Trust me, hang out with me for like 30 seconds after service. You're like, yeah, why do we come to this church? This pastor's crazy. Like, it's not me. Like what you're experiencing while you're here, it's, it's, it's God. It's a miracle. Why? Because we just simply took a step. Now, God may not be calling you to plant a church today. Not today. <laughs> I'm just saying, never say never. But I guarantee you, he's asking you to take a step towards what? Towards him. He's asking you to take a step towards him in a relationship with him. And I want to close with this incredibly beautiful verse that comes from the prophet Ezekiel. And it, it literally beautifully describes the spiritual journey that all of us are on. Look at this, Ezekiel 47, verse 3 through 5. Ezekiel says that there was a man that took him kind of on a spiritual journey. He went eastward with a measuring line in his hand. He measured off a thousand cubits and then he led me again on the spiritual journey through water that was ankle deep. Say ankle deep, everybody. Some of you are here today and you're ankle deep. It's like, I'm saved, going to heaven. And I just wanna make this statement. Can I just clarify this for you? That's really the only step you ever need, my friend. That's it. Like, honestly, this is what life is all about. It's that moment. It's that ankle deep step. But I want you to understand one thing. God has more in store. There's a lot more you can experience in the Boise River outside of just a little dab or toe in the water or your ankle. And look at this. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was knee deep. Everybody say knee deep. Knee deep. Some of you, when you started coming to One Life Church, you started off ankle deep. 
but now you're knee deep. It was like, you came in here thinking, yeah, they were lifting their hands. They going all out. I ain't ever lifting my hands in worship. Like I think it's cool for them, but it ain't gonna happen for me. But you've been here a while now. It's kind of rubbing off on you a little bit. You've gone from ankle deep to knee deep. Why do I know that? Because now, like by that third song, you're like, wham! <laughs> I've heard some of your some of your stories. I had a guy tell me the other day, right? I did it. I said, did what? He said, I. For the first time in my life, I raised my hands in worship. I said, what was, it, what was it like? He said, it felt, it was like freedom. It's like freedom. Some of you are ankle deep. Some of you need to go in knee deep. It's just a journey. It's a step. It's a process. God has more though. Look at this. Ezekiel said, now the man that was taking me on a journey measured off another thousand. He led me through the water that was up to my waist. It was now it's up to my waist. Now I'm getting in a little bit, a little bit deep now. Notice all these three things, ankle, knees, waist. You're all wet, you're all in the water, but guess what? Your feet are still on the ground. I can feel the current, but I'm still in control. I'm not quite sure if I walk out of this into the middle of this river where this thing's gonna take me because I can't see around the bend. Where's this whole thing gonna take me? I'm not quite sure. So. Look at the rest of the journey. It says he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Why? Because it goes on to say, because the water, because the water had risen and it was deep enough to swim in. The water had risen to the point that it was so deep that I'm now fully immersed and it's a river I could not cross. What does he say? In other words, I'm no longer in control of my life. I'm at the mercy of this river, wherever it takes me, wherever it leads. And here's the question many of us are asking, well, when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, if I decide to make that step, then where does the river flow? Where does that take me? Where does that lead me? It's a great question. I love the verse nine, we pick this up and it kind of goes through this story and ends with this. It says, wherever this water flows, look at this, life. Your life will flourish. That's where this river will lead you. That's where taking a step will lead you. Your marriage will flourish. Your family will flourish. And that word flourish literally means revive, breathe life into. Your relationships with your son and daughter will flourish. Your career, your relationships at work, you'll find favor. Your finances will be blessed. Every area of your life. Just imagine with me what it would look like if he just surrendered. He said, you know what? I'm going all in. My friends, God's not asking you to take a leap this morning. If you want to leap into the deep end, go right ahead, man. It is good, I'm telling you. All God is asking really though is that you just simply identify where you are on this journey and take a next step because every journey begins with a single step and the step that many of us need to take honestly and it's the most important, most significant is a relationship with God. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? We'll be here just another five minutes. If you're here today and you're like, Rhett, that's me. I know that my next step, I've done religion, I've done church, I've gone to church, I've even served at church, but I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with God. I want a relationship with God. You know who you are. If that's you, today is the day, now is the time. I'm not gonna call you down front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. But if that's who, if that's you, would you be so bold as just to raise your hand and let me know who you are this morning so I could say a prayer with you? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Way to go. You can put your hands down. Maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't. Would you just say this simple prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed? Just say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. Forgive me, change me. Come live inside of me. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. I declare you as my Lord and my savior. I put my faith, my trust in you today. I give you my life give you everything. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to talk to another group of people here today. Some of you have been walking in relationship with God. You've received the Holy Spirit, but you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like you've not been fully immersed into all that God has for you. And maybe it's because of doubt. Maybe it's because of what you've seen. Maybe it's because of what you've heard. Maybe it's because of fear of what other people would think or but I want you to know my friends, every good and perfect gift is from God. And the gift 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a gracious gift that God wants to give you. Why? So that you can act goofy and be silly in church and why? No, no. It's not in scripture, everybody. God wants to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can make a difference in your family, in your life, and in this world. That's what it's about. So that the generosity of God can flow through you and so that you can have the power to stop struggling with the things you've been dealing with for all your life. It's his power. So I, I've done everything I can to do today to try to convince you of the fact that you need to take this step. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not calling you down front. But if that's you today, and those who just received a relationship with Christ, I would encourage you to say this next prayer. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a beautiful thing. I would just say position yourself in a posture to receive and pray this. Just mean it with all your heart and sincere. Just say, God, today, I want to receive all that you have for me. I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Breathe in me the breath of God. And just say this. Say, I receive it now by faith. I trust you. I receive it to make a difference in this world and in my family. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, hang with me for a second. Hey, congratulations, everybody. It's beautiful. Some of you are just beginning to experience something in just a very fresh way. It's different for everybody, okay? Don't put God in a box. That's all I'm saying. And as you read scriptures, I would encourage you to do this. Here's your next steps. I want you to just open your Bible and just begin to read it. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or even start with the book of Acts and start reading about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and talk to God about it. Like say, God, today at church, I said this prayer and I'd like to know more about this. Just will you continue to reveal this in me? And he will. It's a journey. It's a step. And so I want to encourage you to today, the best way that we can help you give you some next steps like water baptism and keep you aware of those things is taking some time to fill that connection card out. There is the online version. There's also the physical one that's in your worship guide. At some point, will you let us know just, hey, I made a decision to follow Christ or I'd like to know more about water baptism. I'd like to connect with a team member. There's also a place that you can put prayer requests on there and our team would love to pray with you this week over your needs. And so that's how you would get that information to us. And hey, One Life, there were several hands that went up today and I really feel like God's just beginning to do a new work and breathing some fresh things into a lot of people's lives today. Can we take a moment and just celebrate, put our hands together. <laughs> for just...